discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity we have. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who is here. Your precious Holy Spirit who is here to teach us your word. Thank you for insight. Thank you for the spirit of understanding that is flowing in our midst this morning. Thank you that every single thing that is said is spoken by your word, through your word, and through your spirit. And we are blessed even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. This morning, I want to share with you on a, um, a subject, a very short, hopefully, subject that I've titled Lawful Captives. Lawful Captives. Hallelujah. If you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, the Bible tells us that this is Paul talking, you know, and he was talking about the church in Corinth forgiving someone, you know, the gentleman who had uh, had relations with his father's wife earlier in chapter, um, 1 Corinthians, the first book of Corinthians, and Paul's writing to let them know that they should try and forgive him, you know, and in he got to this point and said, lest Satan should have an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Lest Satan should have an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Satan could have an advantage of you if you are ignorant of his devices, you see. And if you read in, in, in the Greek, the, the word get an advantage means to cheat out of or rob you of something, of peace, of joy, of health, of prosperity, etc. The devil specializes in stealing from Christians. John chapter 10 verse 10 says that the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you might have life and have it to the full. So Satan uh, uh, um, specializes in stealing from God's children. And this morning, I'm here to help you know what um, he uses to get God's children and steal things from God's children. I don't think you want your peace to be stolen. And I don't think you want your happiness to be stolen. I don't think you want your prosperity to be stolen. How many of you agree with me that you don't want any of that happening to you? So we must not be ignorant of God's word. And we must not be ignorant of the devil's devices as well. His thoughts and his plans. The word devices is noema. It means thoughts and plans and devices. Hallelujah. In Isaiah chapter 42, verse 22, the Bible says, But this is a people robbed and spoiled. They are all of them snared in, in holes, and they are hid in prison houses. They are for a prey, and none delivereth. For a spoil, and none saith, restore. Unfortunately, this is what, um, this is the, the position most Christians find themselves in. Robbed, spoiled, you know, their goods have been taken away from them. Snared in holes, 
and hidden in prisons, prison houses, and are for a prey. Do you see? Because of the activities of the devil and the right we give to him to have this opportunity in our lives. All because of a lack of knowledge. The Bible says that for a lack of knowledge, my people perish. The more of God's word you know, the more enjoyment, the more you enjoy God's blessings. Do you see? That's how it works. Through knowledge shall the just be delivered. My righteous servants are delivered through knowledge, through the knowledge of God's word. So the more of God's word you know, the more deliverance you enjoy, or the more prosperity and goodness and peace you enjoy. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 24. I actually got my title from this verse. He says, Shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or the lawful captive delivered? But thus says the Lord, Even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I, con- I will contend with him that contended with thee, and I will save thy children. In the verse, in verse 24, he says, Shall the prey be taken from the mighty, and the lawful captive delivered? He's talking about the devil, and he calls him mighty and calls him um, lawful, just. If you read the New King James Version of this verse, he talks about how, you know, he says, shall the mighty be delivered from the just? Shall the captive be delivered from the just? Satan is described as being just or being righteous, and is also described as being mighty. But we all know that he's not, he's not so in the, in the books of the children of God. We know that Jesus Christ defeated him on the cross of Calvary. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, the Bible says that Jesus, it says, and Jesus, have, having sport principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Jesus made an open, open show of the devil. He defeated him. We all know that. But how come he's being described as mighty and being described as just? Do you see? I don't know if you're following me. We all know from the scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, that the devil and his, his, his abilities is getting useless as the days go by. He says, how do we speak wisdom among them that are perfect? Yet not the wisdom of the world, nor the, the princes of the world. That come to naught. You know, if you read in the Amplified, the word that come to naught has to do with becoming useless every single day. So the ability of the devil is become useless. It will become useless by tomorrow morning, two hours from now, to become more useless. Three hours from now, to become more useless. He doesn't have, he doesn't have much. If you don't give him a right in your life, he's not going to be able to do anything in your life. Because Jesus defeated him on the cross of Calvary. Jesus beat him on the cross of Calvary. Hallelujah. And Jesus gave us power over all of his abilities. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Look at Luke. It says, Behold, I give unto you. This is Jesus talking. It says, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on, on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall be by any means at you. Nothing shall by any means at you. So the might that the devil has, has nothing to do with us. He says nothing. You know, and amazingly, um, but the word by any means is, is a double negative word, meaning that the, under no circumstance, never, not in this world, not in the world after, can the devil hurt you in any way. It's an amazing thing. Do you see? So how, if all these things are true, and they are true, Jesus has beaten him on the cross of Calvary, his power becomes useless every single day, and God has given us power over the ability of the devil. How then do Christians, some Christians, end up becoming captives of the devil? How do Christians become legal or lawful captives of the devil? The first thing I want you to understand 
that will help you know what to do to recover yourself if you find yourself in any of the things I'm going to mention is the fact that you must understand that Satan is, or the devil is a lawyer. He's what? He's a lawyer. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The word adversary is a legal term. Okay? It means a prosecuting attorney who vehemently opposes the accused. A prosecuting attorney who vehemently opposes the accused. That's his job. His job is to accuse you. If you read in Revelations chapter 12, verse 10, you see it in the word. It says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. So his job is to accuse you before God. And sometimes he does it very well. It's amazing because you give him a right. Most Christians, a lot of Christians give him a right to accuse them. Hallelujah. If you go on, you see how he says that. And they, they overcame him by the blood and the, of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Hallelujah. You must understand the fact that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are also our lawyers. The devil is a, is a lawyer accusing us. And the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ are lawyers for us. First John chapter 2. Can you imagine you have Jesus as your lawyer? What a blessing. John 14, 26. says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, and he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have commanded, I have said unto you. The word Comforter is from the Greek word Paracletos, and it means a legal aid. It means a lawyer. And the same word is used in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. 1 John 2, 1. It says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The word advocate is the same word, paracletos, just like we saw for the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit and Jesus are our lawyers who are there. They are there to help us win whenever the devil brings an accusation against us. Hallelujah. Ask your neighbor, are you excited about that? So they are there to defend us. Hallelujah. Yes. The next thing you have to understand is that the devil requests for access to Christians on legal basis. And God can't do much when, the, when he wins a case against you. Because God is a lawyer. God is a judge. Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are your lawyers. The devil is a lawyer against you. Do you see? And if he brings it, he always does it. It's legal. He can't, because if he does it illegally, he's not going to be allowed. If the devil comes and says, I want to do something to this Christian, he will not be allowed. On the basis of what Christ has done on the cross of Calvary for us, he has no access for, to us at all. But if you don't walk in love, you give him access. You give him access on legal grounds. And I want to show you some of them. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31, the Bible says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, this is Peter. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may seek you as wheat. But I've prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. The Satan has desired. The word desired is legal. It's a legal term. Exact your mind. It means to ask on legal basis. So Satan asked for Peter on legal basis. What did Peter do? Peter got into self-confidence. Peter did not rely on the grace of God. He got into trusting in his flesh. 
When Jesus said he was going to go to the cross, Peter took Jesus and started rebuking him and saying that, you're a very young man, you're just 33 years old. How can you be talking about death now? We just started, you know, ruling and enjoying ourselves in this city. What, what are you talking about? He was rebuking Jesus. Do you see? And when Jesus mentioned that he was going to die and that all his disciples were going to leave, Peter said, if everyone leaves, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going straight with you to the graves. That was what he said. Trusting in his own flesh, in his own abilities. By trusting in his flesh and trusting in his own abilities, he left the grace of God into the territory of the devil. So the devil asked for him on legal basis, and the devil got him. Jesus said, I'm going to pray for you. Ask for the test, you are going to go through it, and you are going to fail, because you've already failed with your confessions, with what you have said. If you remember, go back to that place in Luke chapter 22, where we're reading. Luke twenty-two thirty-one. it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you, sift you as sweet. But I have prayed for thee, not that the temptation will not come, but that your faith fail not. So when you go to the temptation, your faith will not fail. And when you are converted or restored, strengthen your brethren. So he asked for him on legal basis, and he got him because he, he was functioning in the territory of the devil, in the, in the territory where the devil rules. He was functioning in, in the jurisdiction of the devil. Hallelujah. So I want us to see, I want us to see a few things, five things that makes Christians lawful captives of the devil. Five things. And I want you to know them so that whenever you see them happening or coming into your heart or happening, coming anywhere in your life, what to do? The first thing is unforgiveness and bitterness. The first thing that pushes us into the devil, that makes us lawful captives of the devil, to 34. It's a long read, but I think we should read it. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children. This is the gentleman who was owing his Lord billions of dollars. He owed him billions of dollars. You know? And his Lord was taking account of all those who owed him. And he was called. And when he was called, he started apologizing and begging that they should give him time. He would pay. And when the Lord looked at him, when his master looked at him, looked at him he was like, okay, let me just forgive this gentleman. So he forgave him of all the billions of dollars. And that's what he's saying. He says, but for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and the children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I'll pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him his debt. Next verse. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him 100 pence, which was about just about $10. He had been forgiven of billions of dollars. He saw his brother who was owing him just $10 or $20. And look at what he did. Which owed him 100 pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his servant, his fellow servant, fell down at his, fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay thee all. And he would not but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, next verse, they were very sorry and came and told, their, told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called him, said unto him, Oh, thou wicked servant. Brothers, this is wickedness to not forgive those who have offended you. Ask for offense, it will, it will come. But you have to forgive. Tell anybody how to forgive. It's important to forgive. If you don't forgive, you are putting yourself over onto the devil's side. 
and the devil can do anything he wants to do in your life. Look at this. He says, Oh, thou wicked servant, I forgive thee all that, all that debt because you desired me. Should, should not thou have had compassion on thy fellow servant even as I had, had pity on thee? You know, when you go on, he tells you how the master gave him over. He puts him into prison. What unforgiveness does is that it puts you into prison. They say having resentment for someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And if you go on, you see how he was delivered over onto the tormentors. He was handed over to tormentors. Now, what are the tormentors? Who are the tormentors? The tormentors are the devils, the demons. They have access because of unforgiveness. Access to your health. Access to your finances. Access to your, your, your mind. Access to your family. Why? Because you are not forgiving the one who has done something against you. People do something like, people do things against us. But we must learn to discern the lost body. We have to. Unforgiveness is a prison. Unforgiveness affects your faith. In Mark, Mark chapter 11 verse 23, the Bible says that, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you that what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. When you stand praying, forgive. Forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Jesus was talking about faith, and he linked our faith and answers to our prayers to forgiveness. He says, when you stand praying, forgive. That's a, that's a clause. When you stand praying, forgive. If you don't forgive, you may not have answers to your prayer. Your faith is influenced and affected by unforgiveness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Unforgiveness also affects the grace of God in your life. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, we see how unforgiveness can affect not forgiving your neighbor. Not, you know, saying it's okay. Yes, you did me wrong, but then it's fine. I'm going to forgive you. If God forgive us by sending his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, giving his best for us, and causing him to shed his blood on the cross of Calvary for our sins. That was going to take us into eternal damnation. Why shouldn't we forgive someone? If God was able to do that, why can't we forgive someone who stepped on our toes? Or someone who stole something from us? Or someone who said something bad about us? Someone who said something against us? Someone who bullied us when we when were in school? Forgive. Tell me about forgive. Forgive. Do you see? Look at this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It says, Follow patience with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently. Looking diligently. The word looking diligently has to do with taking, is the word bishop. It means an overseer, to take overseership over this particular thing. It says, Look diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Bitterness can cause us to be defiled. Someone says something, someone does something, and then you, you tell the other person, you, this is what this person said, this is what he said, this, he said that, he said that, and then it keeps going. You keep defiling, you keep defiling each other, it keeps going and going and going. We must always acknowledge and remember that we belong to one body. It's called the body of Christ. We can't love Jesus and hate our brothers. How can you love God whom you have not seen and hate your brother who you are seeing? 
It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Hallelujah. In this, in this place, he said, he lets us know that you can fail of the grace of God. It's like nothing is going to work. Things are not going to work. You can't have favor in your life. You can't have beauty in your life. You can't have any good thing happening in your life. Why? Because you are not forgiving. Bitterness is in your heart. You have some bitterness against someone or against a certain group of people or something. Let go. I came all the way to tell you to let go. Yes. Of all the things that you are holding on to, you held on for, for many years. Let go. It's time to let go and be free. Now, how do we forgive? Number one, descend the lost body like I'm telling you. Number two, pray for those who hurt you. Pray for them. You can't pray for the one who has hurt you for two weeks and not love him. <laughs> if you keep praying for him, by the time you see him, and the next time you see him again, you give him a big hug. Because all the, all, I mean, you are just praying two weeks, two whole weeks you are praying for this person who has hurt you and saying good things about him. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. This is the recommendation that Jesus gave. He says, you, you, have heard that it, you have heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Can you imagine? Love not your, your friends and your, your, your good neighbors. Your bad neighbors, your enemies. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. When the person is cursing you, he says, blessed. Bless him. The person is saying, go to hell. You tell the person, go to heaven. <laughs> Amazing. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. This is Jesus' recommendation. Pray for them. Bless them. Why? Because you are called to inherit a blessing. First Peter chapter 3, verse 9. As a child of God, what you are called to receive and inherit is blessings. So you must bless in order for you to receive more blessings. First Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. Not giving insults back. You are insulted. Bless. But rather, but contrarywise, blessing. Knowing that you are there on to call that you should inherit a blessing. So you are called to inherit a blessing. Therefore, when anyone, anyone curses you, bless a person. The way to forgive is to bless a person. If the person insulted you, go to your room and bless a person. Father, thank you that her marriage is working. Thank you that all her children are doing very well. They are going to college. They are becoming influential people in the system. In the name of the Lord Jesus, bless and curse not. And as you bless, the Lord will bless you as well. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The second thing that allows the devil to have us as lawful captives is fear. Fear. Job chapter 3, verse 25. The story of Job is a very popular one. And people always ask questions as to what happened. Job was a righteous man. Everything was okay. What happened? These verses show us exactly what happened. He says, for my, this is Job. After all the things that happened, he said, he, he confessed what was in his heart. Job 3, 25. He says, for, for, let me read from his way. For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. He declared that he had some fears. The thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. In, in other words, all the things that happened to him were things he was afraid would happen. He, he was living in constant fear throughout his life. Do you see? And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety. 
know, there are three Greek Hebrew words for rest in the Bible. And Job uses all of them in this particular verse. And he said he didn't have any of it throughout his life when he had all those things. He said, I was not in safety. That is the first Hebrew word. And neither had I rest. Neither was I quiet. Yet trouble came. I had no rest. He was living in restlessness. He was living in constant fear. When the children go out there, he will make sacrifices to, to, to just to make sure nothing happens. Because he was always expecting something bad to happen. And what he greatly feared was what came to him. Brothers and sisters, fear puts us in the, in the territory of the devil. Under the jurisdiction of the devil. And makes us lawful captives of the devil. What you fear most is what is going to come on you. If you're afraid of cancer, it's going to come. If you're afraid of poverty, it's going to come. If you're afraid of lack, it's going to come. If you're afraid of depression, it's going to come. If you're afraid of your children not doing what it's going to come. Refuse to live in fear. Decide to live in faith. The opposite of fear is faith. So feed on God's word. Allow God's word to show you what to do. Instead of allowing what is happening around you, inform your thoughts and inform your decisions. What I greatly feared has come upon me. Job was not at rest at all. He lost all the levels of rest that God gives and gave Satan, Satan a right to his life. Fear of all kinds, fear of heights, fear of weights, weight loss and weight gain. Hey. <laughs> you can be doing all the things you need to do. You can be cutting down on your meals and all of that. All of that. If you're afraid you are going to get fat or you're going to get big, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Fear of all kinds. Fear of poverty. Fear of not being accepted by different groups and in different places. Refuse to fear. Fear attracts demons. Because of the fear, Job broke the hedge around him. The Bible said, the one that breaketh the hedge, the serpent shall bite. He had access to him because he was in fear all his life. See, I refuse to fear. I walk in faith all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Number three, worry. Hallelujah. Number three, worry. Worry. Some people think worrying is, is, a, is a nice thing to do. They feel worrying is showing care. Sometimes a mother can worry so much about the, the child that you wonder what's going on. Is he okay? Is everything fine? You can, you can call five times in five minutes and send ten texts in a minute. I don't know if it's happened to you before. Have you ever seen him around? Worry. First chapter five. Worry puts us in the devil's territory and makes us lawful captives of the devil. First Peter five, verse six. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. He says, cast all your care upon him. All your worries. All your anxieties. Everything that worries you. Everything that bothers you. Your job is to cast it over to the Lord. Some of us come and come to the Lord in prayer with our problems. With, our, with the things we are worried about. We sit by, by the side. We pray. After we finish praying, we take the worry and continue. And go back home with it. God wants you to leave the worry at the altar. The anxiety at the altar is not going to help you. The more you worry, the more the devil has an advantage over you. 
Look at this. It says, humble yourself, casting all your care upon him, for he cared for you. The next verse, verse 8. Look at this. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The devil divorced those who are worried. He divorced those who are worried. It's each together. Then he lets you know whom resist thou steadfastly. Resist thou steadfastly in faith. In the word. Be sober, be vigilant. Okay? Because you adversary the devil as a roaring lion. No lion that is after a prey roars on the prey. If you've ever seen any of these um, um, Discovery Channel and all of that, you will notice that when a lion is coming to attack its prey, it goes in a stealth mode, quietly. That's what a lion should do, a proper lion should do. The devil is not a proper lion. He wants to put fear in you, so he starts by roaring and shouting over you, making you worried about various things so that he can eat you up. He can take all the juices in your bones. <laughs> Amazingly, the word devour there has to do with not eating, but fin- when you finish eating and you, you start taking the juices out of the bones, that's what it means. It means he will, he will, he will, he will lick you dry. He will suck everything out of your bones. If you, allow, if you allow worry to take over your life. Say, I refuse to worry. <laughs> Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. You know, one way of putting your faith to work is by making good confessions. That's one of the major ways. So when you say, I refuse to worry, I, refu- I refuse to fear, you are putting your faith to work. That's why I'm leading you to make those confessions. Okay? Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says, Be careful for nothing, or be anxious for nothing, or worry over nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. That's what you need to do. Instead of worrying, let your request be made known unto God. Pray about everything instead of worrying about everything. You see, pray about everything. Pray about the thing that is disturbing you and hand it over to God. Cast all your care upon him. Why? He careth for you watchfully and affectionately. God cares for you more than you care for yourself. He does. He cares for you more than you care for yourself. The Bible says that for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as Christ does also the church. Christ likes and loves you so much. He's ready to take care of you. All you need to do is to hand over the things to him. Stop worrying over that child. Stop worrying over that business. Stop worrying over that situation. Stop worrying about all those things, about the house, about the car, about all those things. Hand your worries and your anxiety over to God. And God will handle them for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number four, doubtful speaking. Doubtful speaking. Speaking in doubt. What you say gives Satan legal rights to you. Everyone is waiting for what you say. Jesus, as a high priest of our confession, is waiting for your words to work. And Satan, as an adversary, is also waiting for your words to work. Remember, by the blood, they overcame him by the blood and by the word of their testimony. So what you say is what will put you over. What you say is what will put you over. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 2. Proverbs 6 2. Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. You are captured with the snare, with the words of your mouth. Thou art taken with the words, with the words of thy mouth. You are, you are led into captivity by the words that you speak, by the doubtful words. I don't know if I can do this. I'm not, I'm not so strong. I'm not mentally strong. 
I can never make it. It's not fun. You are giving the devil a lot of work in your life. Don't think it is nice to make certain kinds of statements and it's okay, it's always it's fine, everything is all. That's, this is, you know, in certain places there's a competition as to who is, who is doing the worst. Who is, who is worst? Who has the worst um, condition? My life is worse than yours. And it's like it's fun, it's a fashion. How, how do you say something like that? As a child of God, you should not be saying that. You must speak the word instead of speaking your feelings. And speaking your emotions all the time to everyone. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life. Amazing. He starts with death. He says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. If you love the, word, the, the words that come out of your mouth, you, if you speak lovely words, you have lovely things happening around you. If you speak terrible words, you have terrible things happening around you. You, you are just giving the devil an opportunity in your life. He says, you are snared with the words of your mouth. You are taken captive by the words of your mouth. Just by what you're saying. Jesus is the high priest of our confession. And every high priest needed a sacrifice from the, the, the one who was coming to do the sacrifice. He needed to, you needed to bring a bull for him to be able to sacrifice at the altar for you. That's what the high priest does. Or that's what he was, he was doing in the Old Testament. Jesus is the high priest of our confession. The bulls that we bring to Jesus today is our words. When we give him the right words, he's able to make the sacrifices that need to be made on our behalf. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. All these verses let you know that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heaven. Jesus, the son of God, let us come. Let us hold fast our, conf- our profession. The word profession is confession. Is it seeing that we have a high priest? Let us hold fast our confession, our profession. Do you see? Keep saying the right things. I'm going forward in life. I'll never go down. I will never be depressed. I'm full of life. I'm full of strength. My mind is strong. In the name of the Lord Jesus, everything I touch turns to gold. I'm sent of God. I'm commissioned of him. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. You see, the more you confess that you're full of the Holy Ghost, the more full you become. If you keep saying, God, that's, I don't know if I'm close to God. I don't know if what, that's what is going to happen. You must say the right things. Speak the word. Speak the word. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I keep going forward. I, am, I keep going higher and higher. I'll never go down. My path is at the path of the just. That shines brighter and brighter onto the perfect day. I keep going higher. My health is impeccable. Cancer cannot dwell in my body. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Diabetes cannot dwell in my body. Hypertension cannot dwell in my body. You may have it today, but as you start speaking rightly, those things start living your life. It's an amazing thing. So speak the word instead of speaking doubt. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast our, the profession of our faith or the confession of our faith without wavering for he's faithful that has promised. Hallelujah. Then it says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into heaven, the son of God. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 21. So all these verses show us that Jesus is the high priest of our confession and what he needs is our confession. He needs your words your great words, your beautiful words in order to make sacrifices on your behalf and win your case for you. Remember, he's your lawyer. 
And what helps him win your case is your confession. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The fifth thing, which is the last thing, is guilt and condemnation. Do you remember the first thing? What was the first thing? Unforgiveness, right? Unforgiveness and bitterness. What was the second thing? Fear. Number three is what? Worry. Number four? Doubtful speaking. Doubtful speaking. Speaking in doubt and not speaking in faith. The cure to speaking in doubt is to speak faith. Number five is guilt and condemnation. Guilt and condemnation. Sometimes when you do something wrong, you feel that you are going to go to hell. Or your life, your life has ended. But God has a different mindset about that. If we read in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1, Joshua, who was high priest at that time, was standing before God. It says, and he showed me Joshua, the, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. You see, this guy has been doing this for a very long time. He was standing on his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plugged out of the fire? He was talking about Jesus. Joshua is a, is a brand plucked out of the fire. He's my servant. Do you see? Now Joshua, the reason why the devil was accusing was because he was clothed. You see, Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. He was clothed with filthy garments. He had done something wrong. So he had filthy garments on. But Jesus, in, in, in Romans chapter, chapter 8, verse 1, the Bible says that there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation for you. If you walk in the flesh, you feel condemned. But he wants you to get in over on the right side all the time. And remember that God has really forgiven you. God's job is to wash you with the washing of water by the word. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, the Bible says, The husbands love your wives, even as Christ loved the church, and gave himself for it, that he might cleanse it and sanctify it by the washing of water by the word. His job is to cleanse you and to wash you. So when you do something wrong, the first person to go to is God. Not to sit at home and be wondering, can I even go to church? Can I go to church anymore? This was Saturday night. You know the things that happens on Saturday nights and Friday nights? It's amazing. Just on the verge of coming to church, something comes in and you don't feel like coming anymore. I can't stand it. How come I keep falling? Jesus is the one who says he has saved you. He says he has forgiven you. Believe in the work of God in Christ Jesus for you. He's forgiven you. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. Look at 1 John 2, 12. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. He says, your sins are forgiven you. Can you imagine? He's forgiven you. Not only for what you did in the past, but what you, what you did yesterday. And what you, what you do today and what you do in the future. He's forgiven you by God's grace. That is not to say you can do whatever you want to do and say, well, I've been forgiven. That's not, what I mean. That's not what we are trying to say. What I'm trying to let you know is that don't allow the devil to accuse you if you should fail. Remember in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, he says that, my little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. He doesn't want you to sin. But then he says that if any man should sin, we have an advocate, a lawyer, with, with God. Christ Jesus the righteous. Who is the propitiation for our sins? He's a, he's a mercy seat for our sins. Not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So if you should do something wrong, he doesn't want you to do anything wrong. But if you should do something wrong, remember that Jesus is your advocate. And remember that Jesus has forgiven you. Remember that you are forgiven. Don't allow guilt and condemnation take over your life and prevent you from, from coming close to God. 
because of something you did. <laughs> Hallelujah. So this morning I pray that the Holy Spirit himself will allow you and help you and be a great lawyer for you in defending you in the courts of, of, the, of the, the courts of God so that Satan will never have an advantage of you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray for the wisdom of God to guide you all the days of your life. I pray that every single thing that you need to forgive will leave your life today. I pray for the grace to forgive today. The grace to leave fear and walk in faith and the grace to stop worrying in the name of the Lord Jesus. I pray for grace to see yourself the way God sees you in Christ. Even in Jesus' name. Bless your children, Lord, and cause them to see goodness all the days of their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for having me. Thank you. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless you.